0: Welcome to Longmont Church of the Nazarene online. Glad to have you with us once again. As I begin, I just want to share some announcements and acknowledgments with you. I want to thank, first of all, Dean Claus and Bruce Tallman, who filled the pulpit in my absence. I appreciate the excellent work that both of those men did. Also, want to thank our church body for their faithfulness in giving. Um, though we have not met together um, for worship, our finances remain strong. And thank you uh, for making sure that um, the finances of the church are are adequately met during this time. Also, have an announcement. Uh, just I think a week ago we began. Patio prayer times on Thursday evening We want to encourage any who are interested to join us on this Thursday evening At 630 on the patio in front of the main sanctuary doors of the church I would encourage you to bring a mask uh, your lawn chair anything else that you think You might need for that time together And then regarding uh, getting back together for worship Uh, The picture is still unclear. Uh, We're getting contradicting information about how many are able to gather or not gather together at this point. I want you to know that church leadership will continue monitoring the situation and planning for how to gather safely when we're able to do so. And we will do our best to keep you informed As things move forward. Before we get into the message, I'd like to open with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness to us. I thank you that you are the solid rock upon which we can stand, even in times of difficulty, of the storms in our lives, as we have recently been experiencing with COVID-19 and the distressing things we're seeing happening in our country now with protests that are taking place in so many of our cities and some of them violent and destructive. Lord, it grieves our hearts. But you are God. You are sovereignly in control. We trust in you. And we pray, Lord God, that you'll bring bring peace to our land. You'll bring scriptural perspective, truthful perspective on these situations. You'll heal the wounds that exist and that you will give wisdom to the leadership of our land from the highest level of our president to the governors of each state to the mayors of the cities involved. We thank you for the truth of your word. We pray that you'll bless your word to our hearts today. Um, The scripture says about itself that it's able to teach, correct, rebuke and train in righteousness your word can do amazing things in our lives and i pray father that our minds and hearts would be open in this time to receive what you have for us the truth that you have for us as we once again look at the life and ministry of elijah we give you praise again for who you are for your goodness for your love for your mercy for your grace, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in the last sermon that I preached on the life and ministry of Elijah, we went to Mount Carmel and witnessed the showdown between God's prophet Elijah and the prophets of Baal. They engaged in a contest in which both sides would prepare a sacrifice and then call upon their God to bring down fire. The prophets of Baal spend the bulk of the day beseeching Baal, even to the point of mutilating themselves in an effort to get their God to respond, all to no avail. At the end of the day, at the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah rebuilds the altar. He prepares the sacrifice and even has water poured over it, even to the point of filling a trench that has been dug around the altar. Then, with one simple prayer, Elijah's passion for revival was realized as God sent fire from heaven and the people proclaimed their allegiance to Yahweh. Elijah and the people then drove the prophets of Baal down the mountain where they were killed with the sword. Sin has been eradicated. The death of the false prophets marked the end of a terrible chapter in the history of Israel. The very religion and its deceptive spokesman that the people of Israel had embraced, that they had allowed to gradually infect every aspect of their national and personal lives, they now took a hand in abolishing. A people broken and contrite because of the drought had again turned to their covenant God as they witnessed in a dramatic way his power and presence on Mount Carmel. They were now a people cleansed of that which had tainted and corrupted their lives and land. In Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17, we find these words, You, O Lord, do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a a broken and repentant heart, O God. Before there could be any blessing from above, there had to be a brokenness before the Lord. Not only had the famine devastated Israel, but so also had the heavenly fire devastated the hearts of a people who now realized that they had for years been following worthless, powerless idols. So when the fire fell, they were compelled to fall on their faces in total submission and humility before the power and presence of the one true God. Approximately 100 years before this, King Solomon had stood before all Israel in the presence of God. In his prayer dedicating the temple to the glory of God, he had requested the presence of Jehovah to fill that magnificent structure. In response to that prayer, God gave Solomon and the people an unshakable promise. We find that promise in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verses 12 through 14. It says the Lord appeared to him at night. He appeared to Solomon and said, "I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people Who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And, folks, I would tell you today that that promise was not just meant for the ancient people of Israel. Well, Elijah knew, remembered, and depended on God's divine word. Israel was humbled. Israel was repentant. They were now ready to be refreshed and revived. The conditions had been met, and God would restore his people. Rain was in the offing. Which brings us to our text for today. You will find that in First Kings chapter 18 verses 41. Through 45, If you want to take just a moment to look that up, 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 through 45. And it reads like this. Now, this is just after the prophets of Baal have been taken to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. Verse 41, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. The seventh time the servant reported, A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain came on and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Prayer characterized Elijah's life and ministry all along. And in the New Testament, James commented on Elijah's prayer life. In James chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, we find this. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So Elijah was a man just like us. He wasn't some kind of superhuman with special access to God that allowed him to remain unaffected by the circumstances that surrounded him. No, He was just a regular guy, just like you and like me. When it came to prayer, he had no advantage over you and I. But he trusted God. He was obedient, and he knew how to pray because he was a man of prayer. But before we go on, let's step back for a moment. The nation of Israel has experienced a three-year drought. No rain no crops harvested, people are starving to death. This is hard for us to imagine because we've never experienced anything like that. At least, I've never experienced it. We've had a few weeks, maybe even a few months without rain, but none of us have ever gone for three years without rain. Think about it. At this time in Israel... There are young children who have never caught a raindrop on their tongue. They've never played in the rain. They've never even seen rain. They don't even know what it is. And in the middle of this crisis situation, God speaks to Elijah. And we find that back in chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, where it says, After a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came. Elijah, And he said, go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. And so now that day has come. And immediately following the contest on Mount Carmel, we come to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41 and verse 42. So Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. (coughs) It's interesting to me that Elijah tells Ahab to eat and drink. Commentators are not clear on why he said this. Some say that Ahab had probably come to witness the contest on Carmel and brought with him most likely servants and a tent along with provisions for the day. But as he was engaged in the powerful events of that day, even going to the valley to witness the execution of the prophets of Baal, he is now told by Elijah to go eat and drink because he may not have had anything that day. Others say that this was an encouragement to celebrate. The drought would now come to an end. And the the people had repented and renewed their allegiance to God and there was now cause... For celebration. And so he tells Ahab, go eat and drink. And then he says, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. Was this something that Elijah was actually hearing? No. The storm wasn't even on its way yet. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. There was no physical indication of rain. Nobody else was hearing this. See, this is a bold move on the part of Elijah. He hasn't even prayed yet, but it's obvious that he maintained a continual communication with God. In fact, God already informed Elijah, as we read just moments ago, that he would send rain. Elijah previously informed Ahab some years ago that it would not rain again again, until he said so. Now he said so. Elijah heard something that no one else heard or saw. Elijah heard by faith the hand of God fulfilling his promise, not only to Elijah, but to the drought-stricken people of Israel. And so while Ahab feasted, Elijah fasted. Verses 42 through 44. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Elijah crouched down to petition God to send rain. We aren't told what he said, and I would guess that he turned God's promise of rain into a prayer. And even though God promised Elijah rain, he still petitioned God for that rain. And his posture of bending down on the ground with his face between his knees demonstrated the intensity of his intercession. And after the petition, he instructed the servant to check on the answer. Go see. Now, the commentators say this, because it says that his servant went up. It says, the peak on Mount Carmel is a semi-isolated knoll with a cliff some 40 feet high looking southeast. The sea is invisible except from the summit. And thus, it was only by climbing to the top of Carmel from the plateau where the altar may have stood, that the prophet's servant could have seen the little cloud. So, Elijah continued the intercession and kept checking for the answer seven times. Finally, after the seventh try, the servant reported a small distant cloud rising out of the sea. That was enough for Elijah. Elijah. So Elijah said, go until Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stopped you. The servant would report to Ahab the necessity of cutting his meal short and getting on his way to avoid the coming mud and possible flash flooding. And then in verse 45, it says, Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Thunder, lightning, and rain. Another proof that the Lord is God. All the things that Baal was supposed to have dominion over, God now brought to pass in response to the prayers of Elijah. Once again, Baal is proved to be a farce, and God is proved to be the one true God. And then in verse 46 it tells us the power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. They tell us that Jezreel was approximately 16 miles from where they were on Mount Carmel. Now it's estimated that a two-horse chariot could travel 25 to 30 miles an hour depending on terrain. And after a very long day of energy-draining confrontation, Elijah now takes on a 16-mile run ahead of Ahab's chariot. Another evidence that the hand of God was on Elijah. He does something here that is humanly impossible only because he was empowered with divine energy. Now, with that overview of the scripture. I think it's clear then that this passage really is all about effective prayer. Prayer occupies a prominent place in the Bible. It appears over and over again. And the Bible describes prayer on, on many different levels. There are prayers of thanks, there are prayers of petition, there are prayers of prayers, praise, prayers asking God to meet needs. Of every kind prayers asking for forgiveness in our text today we progress from nothing to a little cloud to a torrential rain and God's hand on Elijah as he runs ahead of the chariot. What then can we take away from Elijah's prayer for rain? Well first is this: God always Keeps his promises. So expect God to fulfill his promises even before they happen. The Bible records a huge number of times where God does what he promised. Romans 4, verses 20 and 21, Paul speaking of Abraham says this Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he promised. And here is what I think is a, a clear description of faith. Being fully persuaded that God has the power and can do what he promises. Elijah continued to operate on the conviction that just as God promised to stop the rain, he would return the rain just as he had promised. See, Elijah's spiritual senses picked up what others didn't, he heard what others didn't hear. He expected God to answer before it even happened we can expect God to answer before it happens. In Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Sometimes God stirs a glimpse of an answer before it happens, just as Elijah heard the rain before the rain. The next takeaway, even though God promises it, we still need to pray for it. So, fervently pray for God's will. F.B. Meyer said, God's promises are given not to restrain but to incite to prayer. They show the direction in which we may ask and the extent to which we may expect an answer. They are the signed check which we must endorse and present for payment. And in 1 John 5.14, we find these words. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Jesus promised answered prayer 7 times in his final words to his disciples before he was crucified. He told them to pray in my name. That just didn't that didn't just mean tag in Jesus name amen at the end of our prayers. It had to do with praying according to his will and promises. Pray fervently for God's will just as Jesus prayed for God's will. And then the next takeaway God's delays are not necessarily his denials. So pray persistently and fervently. Consider the promises of God as calls to prayer, consider God's specific promptings as calls to prayer. God works through the prayers of his people. And he, Elijah, said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. Oh, those discouraging words. There is nothing. No sign of an answer. Nothing tangible to report. The psalmist agonized over silent skies. Saints through the ages have agonized. The saints in Revelations cry, Lord, how long? When the heaven is silent, keep praying, Elijah said. Go back seven times. Why seven times? Well, the fact that he prayed seven times is probably no coincidence. For in God's economy, seven represents fulfillment, completion, and finality. The cloud that appeared in the sky above the Mediterranean signaled the fulfillment and completion of a plan and process that God began over three years earlier. The completion of the process is the return of rain. And and Elijah's persistence was due to his confidence in the promise of God. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 tells us, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. <coughs> Romans 12 verse 12, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And Philippians 4 6, Do not be anxious about anything, But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then listen to these words of Jesus from Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I think the whole purpose of this parable was to show that they should always pray and not give up. And until God clearly tells us to stop, pray persistently and pray fervently. And the next takeaway is this. God acts in the world through the prayers of his people. So, make prayer a regular habit. James drew this principle from the account of Elijah in James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It is clear that God will bring about his purposes. Job said in Job 42 verse 2, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. And in Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11, the prophet writes, as the rain and the snow come down from the heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And then James includes the balancing principle that because we do not pray, there are some things that do not come to pass. He said in James chapter 4, verse 2, You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. And then in Matthew 7, Verses 7 and 8, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And then we're encouraged by Paul in Colossians 4 to devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. And then again in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray continually. You know, I I wouldn't admit that I understand prayer or exactly how it works. All I know is that the prominence of prayer in the economy of God is unmistakable. Examples of God acting in connection with people praying fill the Bible and history. I personally still have much to learn and practice regarding prayer. And then this. God is able to energize the weary. So trust the Lord to renew your strength. Even though Elijah must have been exhausted from ministry that day, God's hand was upon him. Isaiah, again, the Isaiah, the prophet writes in, in chapter 40, verses 28 through 31 Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. For some listening today, it's been a long time since you've connected with God through prayer in any significant way. Or maybe you've stopped praying for someone or something that you should still be praying for. So as I close today, I want to pray for you. And join me as I do. Father. I pray that you would give us the desire and motivation to pray. Please give us the patience and perseverance we need to trust you, to believe in faith and not give up. And as we become more faithful in prayer, would you take us deeper in our relationship with you? Would you draw us closer to you? Would you help us grow in our faith? Holy Spirit, Help us to know your voice so that we can discern from you how we should pray. And may we pray expectantly, believing for the good things that you want to do in our lives according to your promises. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What a great example of prayer Elijah has given us today. And as God's people... And as the church, we're to be a praying people. In fact, Jesus said, God desires that his house be a house of prayer for all nations. God grant that our churches would be places of prayer. Thank you again for joining us today.